you know, they, they're, they're all different and they all carry their, their own set of grief with it. Mm. None of it's easy. No. None of it is. My name is Nairi and today I need to give you a trigger warning for this episode. Uh, that's because today I'm talking about the death of pets um, and includes traumatic deaths of pets, including uh, my own personal story. Um, this topic has become close to my heart lately because I have had many online friends uh, suffering from the deaths of their lovely babies and it just breaks my heart that this is happening I mean obviously the more friends I make with pets the more this is going to happen and so I just thought I had to reach out to someone and make an episode which might help you Um, it's all I could really think to do um, to try and help you through your grief Um, to look for resources and have some difficult conversations on your behalf Um, I do get sad in this episode but I am quite happy that I had the conversation even though it was difficult Um, and because it's such an awkward awkward conversation I guess I have a lot of thinking time during the episode I hope you'll understand why I've got such long pauses as I'm talking about a difficult subject. And I found that way after the episode, I was still thinking about what we talked about. And then I came up with more follow-up questions. So while you listen, I'd like you to see what thoughts and questions it sparks within you. And write down your questions and send them to me at stolenheartspodcast at gmail.com. And I'm going to ask him to come back another time to answer those questions. Uh, I also have another episode coming up with someone who also does some pet grief things. Um, I discovered her after him. And I'm hoping different perspectives are going to give more help. Um, So yes, I guess enjoy this episode. (laughs) Um, Hopefully it is useful to you. And I'm really sorry if I make you upset listening to it. Um, And I hope with all my heart that I am able to help in some way. Thanks. Um, Hello, Kevin. I'd like you to introduce yourself and tell us what pets you've had. Well, hi, Nari. It's such a pleasure to be on. Thank you for bringing me on. You're so welcome. Well... As you know, I've been a pet lover my whole life. You know, I grew up with dogs and cats and, but you know, from my adult life, the very first one I had as an adult is uh, Sir William Broderick. He's my old English sheepdog. And he's 14 years old now. He's still, he's still with us. That's good. You know, I've had, um, like, he's my one and only dog and I've had a bunch of cats and a spider. Hmm. Have you still got your spider? I do. Uh, she just Fantastic. turned eight. Eight wow. years old. How old do they live? So now I need to ask. Well, you she's a uh, she's a uh, tarantula, and they 
uh, the females can live up to 20 years. Wow. Now that's fantastic. That's a, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that. Hmm. Yeah, my, I have to get uh, some photos path. at the end. <laughs> What's that? I have to get some photos later on to mm -hmm. share with people. Oh, hmm. oh yeah, I, I'll send them to you. Thank you. <laughs> You know, my uh, first cat was uh, Henry, Henry Fats Rothschild. <laughs> and, you know, he's a big orange fluff ball of a cat. And, you know, I lost him back in 2016, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit earlier. Like, uh, he ran away. And, yeah. you know, that kind of, that's a different kind of grief. It is. And just, mm -hmm. you know, having a death and, you know, having that kind of closure. Yeah, that one will be hard. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's leading into what we're talking about today, which is <laughs> the difficulty of losing a pet. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it with someone, so I'm glad I found you, was because unfortunately lots of my online friends have been suffering losses lately. Um, one of my previous guests on the podcast, she has three rats, they're the feature of the episode, all three passed away within a month and she's just devastated. And um I also have friends who have recently had really tragic accidents with their pets, um, which has been causing them just so much grief. And I've had that happen to me too. And then, of course, there's the people who've had their pets pass away from old age, which feels a bit different to me personally. <laughs> when I've had, um, sorry for laughing, it's an awkward conversation, which means I laugh or cry. <laughs> so <laughs> prefer to laugh rather than cry. Sorry, guys. Um, so it's like the grief of losing a pet that is elderly feels different to me than the grief of losing a pet suddenly or especially traumatically, which is even worse. So had yeah. all three happen, but I haven't physically lost a pet as in they haven't run away. So but that's another sort. Hmm. You know, they, they're, they're all different and they all carry their, their own set of grief with it. Mm. None of it's easy. No. None of it is. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping we could talk about, I guess, just the difficulty at first of like, especially if a person feels like it's their fault that the pet's gone. Um, so, and how we can work through it and that sort of thing. Have you got any thoughts? Um, if it's their fault, or they feel it's their fault. Sometimes it's not actually their fault or it was an accident. Yeah. Right. So I can I can talk about, you know, the two different types there. Mm -hmm. You know, you have like legitimate grief or guilt, right? Where like you ran over them, right? It's yeah. your fault, a hundred percent. And then you have like a illegitimate uh, guilt, which is, you know, we we love to go back in time in our memories mm -hmm. and try to find ways that we could have done better or differently or more and you know we can we'll, we find and invent ways to blame ourselves to yeah. create this responsibility this this almost godlike person that we're supposed to live up to and we failed right yeah it's not that even that we failed it's that they died mm -hmm. yeah and especially but it's like it's not there what I find people struggling with is that it's not their, like if you look at it from an outsider's perspective, it's not their fault that, for example, they ran over the pet because they didn't know the pet was there. It's not like they ran it down. 
Right. And it might not have even been negligence. It was just like an accident. An accident, yeah. Mm. Oh gosh. Or oh, hurting someone else's pet. That's another thing that comes up. Yeah. That's, that's, oh. And mm. you know, with it's a terrible, terrible feeling to be the one to cause your your animal to die. Yeah. And You've of course that. they're all accidents. No one's on here listening to your show or no one ever comes and talks to me who, you know, did it deliberately. Yeah. Like, like we love our pets. You know, they're in our lives. They're a part of our families, right? And everything we do is for them. Mm. And we would never with deliberate intent set out to harm our pets. No. Right? And so I talk about the difference between uh, guilt and regret, mm -hmm. right? Guilt is something we do with intent, right? We, we feel guilty when we rob a bank mm -hmm. or lie to someone. Like we did that with the intent to harm. We know it was bad and we did it anyway, mm -hmm. right? That's not the case with our pets, right? It's not intentional. Mm -hmm. So we can change that word in our inner monologues and what we tell ourselves. We can change the word from guilt to regret. Okay. I regret not looking under the car before I went. Mm -hmm. I was in a hurry. There was other things going on and I was distracted. Yeah. And I wish I, wish I did, but I regret that. Mm -hmm. I regret giving them too much of this medication one time. No, I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. It's things that we wish we could do differently, but we can't. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. a little bit easier on us than saying the word guilt. Okay. I feel guilty for this has a different connotation than I regret this. Mm -hmm. So that's about changing your framework in your brain, I yeah. guess. Yeah, changing mm -hmm. your self-talk. Mm -hmm. Because the self-talk is what drives us mad. It's what keeps us up at night. Mm. So you feel that there's, there would be a difference for people to feel regret rather than guilt if they switched it to regret, like they'd feel differently. They feel different about it. Okay. Right. We, we regret all kinds of things. We do just about anything differently if we could. Mm -hmm. That's and true. That's a little, it's a little bit easier. Mm. Yeah, then punishing yourself with the guilt. Right. Because mm. as you know, like what, what's the phrase? Hindsight is 2020. Yeah. And well, no, it's it's 2010, 25. We go in there with the microscope and look for something we should have done. Absolutely we do. Mm. It's that's the human condition. Definitely right? what I've done. <laughs> we have this loss, like we, we look for anything we could have done differently as a way of like learning and like not repeating it. Mm. But for accidents, right, there's, there, there are things to be taken away from that, but it's all that microscopic introspection doesn't really do us a lot of good. No, definitely doesn't do me any good. It just tortured me, so. And years later, I still feel pretty yeah. bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah. it, it can go on for years. It'll never stop. Mm. Yeah. But if someone felt regret, then it might stop or that it would just be slightly better. 
long term. Slightly different. I don't, yeah. don't want to say better. Yeah. You know, it's a, you know, there's traumatic, terrible situations are always going to be traumatic and terrible. Mm. Right? We're never going to feel good about running over our pets. No. Right? No. We, we can forgive ourselves, though, and not dwell on that. So how do you get to forgiving yourself? Do you know any tips and tricks for that? Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, practicing self-compassion. Mm. Firstly, but secondly, it's, it, it's not going to happen overnight. No. You can't be like, oh, I just, I forgive myself and then that's it. Like, it's, mm. every single time we have that thought in our minds, right, of, of that time, that incident, whatever we need to forgive ourselves for, we can think, we can also think, think or say out loud, you know, I'm human. I made a mistake. I am allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. I'm allowed to learn from those mistakes and not be punished and pursued by them my entire life. Mm. I'm, I'm letting this go. I'm deciding to let this go and not dwell on it. And like we say it out loud, we say it, we write it, you know, in internal monologue, but we do it every single time, right? We, we mm -hmm. have that. When you get in the habit of when we think about that situation, right? We don't think about everything we should have done, right? We think about, you know, the fact that we've forgiven ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we can look at everything that we did do yeah, you know, I talk to a lot, a lot of people who um, feel guilty about euthanasia. Mm -hmm. Either they waited too long, or they it was they fear it was too soon. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, they, you know, that's a that's a hard thing too. Yeah, it would be. Um, I haven't felt that guilt for euthanasia personally because for me it always just felt like the right time but I can see how other people definitely feel that as well yeah hmm. I'm sorry my questions are very um vague for this episode they're kind of like <laughs> that's fine just like my feelings of yeah of grief <laughs> um that's the hard topic. It really is such a hard topic. Um, so something that came up for me while you're saying that is trying to retrain your brain to create new pathways um, to go to forgiveness oh. and self-compassion rather than grief and um, guilt um, and not blame yourself. Um, but I've heard it's a lot harder when someone else is also blaming you, maybe a child or your partner who's like, why didn't you do such and such? Um, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, that's challenging too. It really would be, yeah. Um, the best we can do with that is, you know, I assume we've said, I'm sorry. I assume like we've done all of that and what else can we do other than like I'm human I made a mistake I'm sorry 
And when you're still talking with that other person, they might still have a lot of anger towards you. Yeah. Right. And we can let that be okay. But we're just holding that space. Right. Because remember, there's nothing we can say or do that's going to fix it. Mm-hmm. We can't bring them back or undo anything. Mm. We can't fix our friends or partner's grief. Yeah. But we can be present for it and honor it and stand there and face it with them. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, that's what we do in the, in the short term. And if, but it's, you know, if, if it's every single day for months and months and months, that's a little different. Yeah, if it's a friend, you might have to be like, um, look, I'm really, really sorry about this. Maybe it's some space or something. It's, but Yeah, essentially, you know, at, mm. after a certain point, right, we, we deserve forgiveness. Yeah. And like forgiveness has nothing at all to do with them. Mm-hmm. Right. They can forgive us all day long, but, you know, we don't forgive ourselves. Right. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, so it like, still goes down to us forgiving ourselves too. Mm. Give yourself some space from your guilt. <laughs> or yeah. regrets rather. Mm. Um, hmm. um, so just a little note I've written here is laziness, question mark, um, because sometimes things happen and you didn't do it deliberately, but it happened out of laziness. Like you didn't, maybe you don't realise it was lazy until after the, after the incident happened and now you do a risk assessment every time you ever do that activity again. Um, like... I guess, yeah, I'll I'll just go into my own personal um, thing here. I'll just put myself forward. Um, My thing that happened, and I've told people about this on the podcast before, is that I had a lovely little ferret and she was playing in the bathroom with me and also had the laundry in the bathroom with me. And I was putting stuff in the washing machine, turned around to get something else, to put in the washing machine, put that in the washing machine, was looking around, oh, she's not here. She must have gone out of the room to play. I wasn't thinking other than that. And so I quickly felt around inside the washing machine to see if she was in there. I'm like, nope, she's not. Closed the door, didn't think about it again, turned the washing machine on. Then several hours later, because my husband's like, um, where's, where's Lucy? I'm like, mm, like, because she always like goes and hides everywhere anyway. It's just what she did. And then I was like, oh my God, like, oh, like swear words. Um, open it up. And it was like the most sickening feeling I've ever felt in my life, pulling her out of there. And the amount of regret, I'll say, I felt <laughs> for that was just astronomical. And it's been what five years now. And I still feel sick every time I look at a washing machine and have to turn the on button on so now out of risk assessment I guess now every time I go to press on I close the door I go and count the pets and then I press the on button now 
because I've done that risk assessment. So laziness, I guess, was that I didn't go and find her and then check that she wasn't in the machine, but I felt around in there. She must have been under something, obviously, but yeah. So the amount of regret I feel for that is ridiculous. And people would say you're a neg you're a negligent pet owner for that. And that's exactly. what I felt like for a long time. <laughs> and I obviously didn't mean to do it. And I feel horrible. Um, and I'm sure other people listening to this have done or had something happen as a result of their actions um, or lack of actions and might emphasise with me a little bit on this. Um, yeah, like that's my story. So um, it felt now or I felt for quite a while afterwards that I was just being lazy and that's why I didn't check because couldn't be bothered getting out of the room and looking for her everywhere because she was probably hiding behind a cupboard or something like she used to do. So, yeah. <laughs> and my husband did blame me at first. So that's where I got that from. Yeah. I'm so that's... sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> what was her name? Lucy. Lucy? Mm -hmm. We'd only had her for a month as well, which made me feel even worse because I had to go to the rescuer that I got her from and admit what had happened. And um, she forgave me straight away. She was like, things happen. And I know you wouldn't have meant it. You're a good fair owner. And she immediately offered me when I felt ready to come back and get another one. Um, so she trusted me with her babies. So that felt reassuring. But it was like, for ages, I was like, I shouldn't ever have another one again. I did. I, did. I got another one pretty fast. But um, I'm glad you did. Yeah. But the amount of, I don't know if it's PTSD now, but it's like, um, or definitely triggered by things now, like washing machines. A little bit of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah there's, there's certainly trauma involved there, mm. especially with other kinds of accidents too. Yeah, um, like I've heard of people, they didn't realize that ferrets can scratch through, through fly screens. And so they scratched, a, scratched through an upstairs fly screen, mm -hmm. fell to their deaths. Um, and they're like, why didn't I think about ferret safety in that sense and you know or most recently there was some horrible horrible situation where they didn't realize that the ferret could get the drain cover off the off the shower fell in and drowned um this is like oh my gosh the these little guys though they're such adventurers that are always getting into situations and it's only through luck <laughs> not being her every single day like yeah oh my gosh they're, they're crazy little guys but <laughs> yeah um I guess so I'm just um using myself as an example here of having something horrible happen that felt like my fault at the time so 
Um, you know, that doesn't yeah. sound like laziness to me. Okay. Right? It's not like we, we didn't get off the couch to go check the machine and make sure. Mm. Right? Like, we were there, we looked at it, we were distracted, we, and we didn't think that he would be in there. Yeah. Right. If you thought Lucy would be in there, you would have checked. That's not laziness. Of course, I would have. Yeah. And now my actions have changed because of that. So now, though sometimes it gets a little bit paranoid, like I'll close a freezer and go, oh, Marie might have run in there now. And so I'll open up and double check that she's not in there. It's like. Now I've heard about that too. Yeah, I know. Like, like Pets we, getting in freezers. We're just more mindful of it now. Mm. That, you know, they are crazy, crafty creatures. They'll get into anything. They will. Don't expect them to not, basically, is the advice I give. Mm. You know, we don't know what we don't know until we know it. That is very Sometimes true, Sometimes the way we know it is through tragedy and death. Yeah, and it feels like quite often no amount of warnings gets through to your brain that it is a possibility and you forget about what people tell you until it's happened to you like mm -hmm. that how many times was I told like they'll get everywhere mm -hmm. but in that instance I was just like well she probably left the room she's playing on the bed somewhere yeah, yeah. Mm. or people a, sitting on their pets that's another thing that happens or getting a, in a recliner chair oh no really oh I have a member of mine oh and, you know, he had a he had a bird for 20 something years and you know he just went to sleep on the couch with the bird on him and rolled over oh you never like you're never supposed to do that and he knew better he just got tired and fell asleep right yeah it wasn't anything he did on purpose it's... Mm. yeah mm. you know despite our best intentions you know, tragedies happen. We can't be 100% on guard all the time. That helicopter parent that never, <laughs> never goes away. Mm. And even if we are, like, we still can't catch any, everything. Like, we don't know. There are things that are outside of our control. Mm. we just do the best that we can and when 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 we fail which every one of us has and will yeah i mean not you know you know mortally but you know we we all do we all make mistakes and we can allow for those mistakes to happen you know, mm. like we do make mistakes we do deserve forgiveness we have more love to give other pets in our lives and they are deserving to have our love and, and they are deserving to have our nurture, mm. right? Just because we fail does not mean like we can't ever do it again. Yeah. We learn from our lessons and we don't repeat. Like mm. that's never gonna happen again with you. No, it's no not. Way. Yeah but 
you know, in the back of my head and what something else is going to happen. And I guess that is just the awareness of mortality, though. But Right. (laughs) But that's what makes death so awkward. Like, no one wants to talk about it. We all know it's going to happen by the time we're 12, right? Everyone knows everyone dies. But we don't ever think about it until it happens. We have no preparation on how to deal with these feelings until it happens. And you're suddenly expected to have a graduate degree in grief and management (laughs) and learning how to do all this stuff. And no one around us knows how to do it either. Yeah, that's the other thing. The things that people say when your pet dies. And it's like, okay, it wasn't a dog but I loved this rat just as much as you loved your dog or mouse or spider or snake or whatever else. And it's like they try and rank species in terms of how, like, Mm -hmm. of what love you can give to them. And it's like, but love isn't anything to do with the species that they are. It just is. (laughs) Grief is grief. Mm. Love is love. Right, we all grieve at a hundred percent. Right, and you know that's different for everyone, mm. and it's all relative. Yeah, you know, like like watching a a, a two year old drop his ice cream cone like on the <laughs> ground. Right, that doesn't mean anything to me. Right, but, but for him, that might be the end of his world. If it's the first time that's ever happened, mm. right? it, it, it's relative. And it's all at a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that... you can't really compare grief. Or reactions to it, I guess. I struggled with that when I was a kid because sorry, brother, but um, if he ever listens to this, which I doubt, but um <laughs> he I when I was 10, our pet rat died. And my seven-year-old brother seemingly didn't react to this at all. And that pissed me off. Like, I was so angry that he didn't react to Matilda passing away. And he still does that when he's upset. But now I can tell that he's just holding it in. But, like, um, so now I don't judge so much. But um, he's very stoic, I guess, when it comes to grief. And that's just him. But as a a 10-year-old... I'll, I'll gender myself here but like as a 10 year old girl I feel like I was very teary <laughs> and hysterical about the death and I don't know why he thought he couldn't or shouldn't but he didn't so and I know he was as close to her as I was but at the time I was angry <laughs> that he didn't react and that was probably unfair of me, but uh, I was 10, so I'll forgive myself for that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Like we're, we're not taught how to grieve. No, no. And Did I don't. ever teach you what to do when you lose? When I lose, like I mean, a when game? You, when you have a loss? Yeah. Oh, like a, a, a lost like, pet? Like a death or like a. Uh, not uh, really, no. Tragedy. I mean, I guess people just teach you as you go. And I guess I can't, I mean, I had warnings when it was like 
when it was my rat, for example, I knew what death was. I knew that she was going to the vet to be put down because she had cancer and the cancer was inoperable this time. And we'd done everything we could as she would not be coming home. And um, we chose not to see her body afterwards um, or bury her or anything. That was just, I guess it was my choice as a 10 year old and perhaps I should have made a different decision, but we didn't get her cremated or anything. We just left her at the vet. Um, so we were verbally prepared for this for the situation, I guess, that we would be very sad and that as time went on, we would miss her less, I guess, was what we were told. So that might be more preparation than some people get, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's just uh, preparation. That's not how to go through it every day. No, it's not. Or mm. how to talk about it. No. You know, I grew up in a, a family, like we never, obviously grew up in a family, <laughs> but mm -hmm. like, we, we never talked about grief or okay. feeling or like, like any, any hard feelings. Okay. Right. And, mm. You know, I kept that all the way up, up until my adulthood, not talking mm. about any kind of grief. Okay. So just a few years ago when I started learning about other ways to, you know, express ourselves in grief and what mm. it is how to go through it so how do you think you should go through it you know at, at your own pace okay just feeling whatever hurting. you're feeling right okay day by day mm. and you know we we work on grief every single day every all day it's with it's with mm. us every day we think about it all day every day so we can work on it like five minutes or less every single day. Mm. Now, I love to recommend journaling for that. Mm. You know, we write down how we're feeling now. You know, whatever that is, however terrible or great that is, we write it down. And then we find something that sparks joy, like a memory or something we can be grateful for that we can dwell mm. on. Yeah. Remembering the good times, I guess. Mm. Right, like we, like we, 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 like we can't change what's happened. Yeah. Right. We can change what we choose to focus on. Right. Mm. Like, like with Lucy, you can focus on that washing machine every single time you think of her, and there are many people who do this for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Right? So like we never think or talk about Lucy because when we do, we think of washing machines. Mm -hmm. So there's that choice or there's a choice of remembering all those fun, exciting, you know, who she was, what, what, what kind of like, and I know mm -hmm. you had her for a short amount of time, but. We still had quite a lot of good memories about her to think about and that was nice. And I do feel, um, I, yeah, happy when I think about the silly little things she did, like or like her color and how cute she was, and how <laughs> for some reason the other ferrets hated her, and that for me now is sort of funny because it's like, gosh, like, <laughs> what, what was their problem? <laughs> um, 
or how friendly she was or how she went bobbing for um, bark chips in the backyard. Like we'd turn the tap on over the bark chips and so there'd be a puddle because she was digging a hole there in the soft dirt. And then all the bark chips would be in there and she'd like pick all the bark chips out with her face, like with the whole face underwater. It's like, ah, get the bark chips out of my hole. Like, and that was very amusing. Um, yeah, so we didn't have many memories of her, but she was a sweet little cutie and very nice little girl. So, and yeah. Put your energy into those memories when hmm. you think of her. I try to now. But... No, like both, both of them are always there. The mm. tragedy and all the good memories, they're always in the past. Short of brain damage, we're not forgetting either one of them. Yeah, I have wished that. It's not brain damage, but like that there was some sort of magic injection right. that would take my memories away so I didn't have to think about it anymore. All right, that, well, what was that movie that was all about that? There was definitely a movie about yeah, that. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless That's Man. it, yeah. Just forget about the breakup. Just... <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, but if we forget about it, we forget those lessons too. And all good things. So. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely wrote a poem as a child about not forgetting the good things. And that, the, I mean, isn't that. Oh, <laughs> that's a Billy Joel song for the longest time. It's like um, there's a line in that about basically it was all worth it because of all the good things that happened, even though it was the end. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, silly example there, but. Yeah, so but, we have that choice, right? And we, and it's, it doesn't, it's not gonna happen overnight, no. but over time we slowly start to put, you know, that we train our minds to think of that one different memory rather than that tragic one. Mm. Um, yeah, with Lucy, it was extremely difficult, but with my other pets, I guess I made the conscious decision to talk about all the happy memories with my partner. And that was very helpful to me. Um, yeah. So I guess the most recent death, which was very sudden, it happened within half an hour. Um, he was fine and we came home and he was having a seizure. And by the time we got him to the vet 40 minutes later, he was brain dead. So it was like very sudden because six weeks before I had a clean bill of health from the vet. So it was crazy. And it broke my heart. But um, with him, I knew my heart was broken, but I would feel better if I remembered the good things. And so I memorialized him around the house and kind of, I, I was like, um, we can't just stop singing the silly little songs we had about him because I feel sad that we don't sing the songs anymore. So <laughs> even though he's not there to sing them too, I don't know if other people do that, make up silly songs about their pets, but we do. Um, yeah, they do. Mm -hmm, good. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, so he had a little theme song, for example. So he's like, it's Quincy, Quincy Woo, that's me. And like, that's me. Like, I always intended to film that, but we never did. And he was also a detective and he was a box inspector. So it always have to go and inspect all the boxes. So we are actively still doing those things, like making those jokes and stuff, even though he's not there. And that makes me feel a lot better. Like we haven't just boxed up his memories and 
never talk about them again, which feels a lot better than with some of my other pets in the past where it was just like, nope, don't think about them, don't think about them. Mm. Like when we, when we have those thoughts, they produce those same emotions every time. Yeah. We have yeah. a joyous thought, we're gonna feel that joy. When we have that traumatic thought, what immediately follows is how we feel about it. Yeah, sick which lasts and, the rest of the day mm. and that causes you know that a physical reaction in our bodies yeah. which produces other thoughts right mm. it's just more of that same line and it goes round and round where we keep thinking we keep feeling bad which makes us think more bad thoughts mm. and it works the same way with joy yeah yeah, it doesn't matter that they've gone. It's still a valid yeah. emotion. Like, yeah, like what you were, you were talking yeah. about uh, Lucy just now, and you were smiling and remembering that. And, yeah. Mm. And it brings that present. You know, when we have relationships, you know, when we have death, you know, we only lose half of it. The other half of that relationship is, you know, we carry forward with us. Yeah. Mm. because I mean all the happy memories I've got of my living pets right now like it doesn't invalidate all the feelings I've got now just because they could pass away tomorrow so right yeah mm. I hope that makes sense like my thoughts are coming out but they're not coming out very eloquently yeah but <laughs> um you know the yeah. sudden loss is really hard yeah it is really hard and you don't get the chance to say goodbye and to prepare. Yeah. You know, my cat, uh, Blazer. Oh, lovely photo there. Yep. You know, uh, y'all can't see, but Ponce right now is, you know, sitting right beside me, and that's his brother, my cat. And I thought that was the same cat, cat, actually. So, uh, two and a half years old or something, uh, I think. And uh, he had a sudden heart attack and died. Oh. And like 10 minutes, he was gone. Mm. yeah there's there's no prep there there's nothing we can do you know he mm. had a heart condition Ponce my cat still has the same heart condition that Blazer did yeah so at any moment he could die right that's tricky so I have I have the choice right of you know I could think about that and being that anxiety just that ball of worry all day every day mm -hmm. You know, that's not in my character to do but you know it's absolutely you know there it's true mm. or i could be present and enjoy this time i have now right mm -hmm. now it's the only thing we have we're not we're not guaranteed tomorrow yep or even the end of this podcast episode <laughs> we're not i just cut out now <laughs> <laughs> That would be a funny ending to that. Oh, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> that hit my sense of humor there. But yeah. I <laughs> uh, not guaranteed anything. Yeah. The best thing we can do, and especially this is for people who have uh, pets who are aging and growing older and mm. sicker and cancer and dying. We have today to say I, I love yous, to be there, to be present with anyone that we love. Mm hmm 
Yeah. That's another thing I've noticed people regretting as well. They say, I wish I'd done more of this, or I wish I'd taken it for more walks. Or, I wish I'd done a photo shoot or, you know, all these other things that they wish. And yeah, I guess the only thing personally that I could advise for that would be if you're thinking about it now, do it now. But that doesn't help if it's already happened, but um, if they've already passed away. But yeah. Mm. You know, my dog, I told you he was 14. Yes. And he's slowing down a little bit. Mm-hmm. He does this really cute thing whenever he's on the bed. Uh, he'll, he's an old English sheepdog, so he's mm-hmm. big. And when mm-hmm. he, he'll roll over on his back and put his giant tree trunk <laughs> legs up in the air. And he's mm-hmm. like three inches of fur all over his body. So oh. they look like hairy trees. Mm-hmm. And every time he does that, I stop what I'm doing and go over there and rub his belly. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what I'm doing. Yeah. Because that's, it's now. I have this moment. I'm going to take it. Mm. yeah um yeah my dog does this thing where she I'll be sitting on the couch like I am now and she'll just jump on my chest and sit like <laughs> on my shoulders and chest and like be blocking my face on she's a chihuahua so she's very small and light but I'm just like what are you doing and I guess it's like on one hand I want to push her away so I can keep doing what I'm doing on the computer but on the other hand, I'm like, no, I should just be like giving her kisses and cuddles now because she's doing this really cute thing, which is she wants attention, she wants love. She definitely take the moment to do it. So reminds me of that horrible. I hate the song um, "Cats in the Cradle," but like, <laughs> hate that song so much because um, it used to make me cry. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I guess just living. For now, if you know, I mean, everyone knows that it's going to happen eventually, but they just don't want to think about it, which is fair as well. Well, that goes back to some of the things that people say to us in grief. Oh, yeah. You know, like, like just get another one. Just get another one. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. Thanks. (laughs) No. Mm. Yeah, that's tricky for me too. The whole. People worry, and I've noticed myself worrying about this too, about replacing their pets. Like they'll say, if I get another tarantula, it's like I'm replacing it. I was like, you're not, because that is another individual completely. Like, mm, might look like the first one. Right. But yeah, no replacing. No. They're unique. Exactly. And even people who clone their pets, it's still a brand oh new relationship, brand new animal. Yeah, the animal doesn't know. Though it's, it's, right. Oh, it's and like, baby they have itself. different experiences with them. Mm. You know, yeah. it's, our, it's our history together that brings love. Mm. Yeah. Just the clone thing is so interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, so good. In some ways, it's really good. In other ways, it's not. But um, I was, just had a thought then that it would be like twins. I mean, it's the same genetics, but yeah. completely different um, experiences that make up the person. So, yeah. Yeah. You don't know one twin and know the other one automatically. It's, it's more but like yeah, still, a lot of people um, really regret or like feel bad about 
or think they're replacing the loss. Yeah. And that's not true. You know, we have more love to give. Mm. And it, our, we have all this love with no place to go right now. Mm. And getting another pet is okay. You know, they mm. need love. We need to give that love and nurture and companionship. And, mm. and I don't think it's invalid to say that having a new pet will help cheer you up a bit. Like, sure. Some people, they're like, I shouldn't do that. That's like, I don't know, using the pet. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the primary... It's like patching the hole is what they're worrying about it doing. It's like, no, because I still miss the previous pet. But now right. I also have this new little guy to teach and love and mm -hmm. focus on. Yeah, mm. having a, a new pet doesn't mean we're done grieving. No, not at all. And, and like in some ways, you know, we're always going to be sad. We're always going to miss them. And that's okay, right? But it's not always going to be painful. Mm. Mm. Um, so how do you deal with other people's responses to your loss of a pet if they don't understand the loss of a pet? Like, you know, well, they're like, you should have got over it by now. It's been a week or whatever. Yeah. Mm. <coughs> well, it depends on who that person is to you. Mm. True. Right? If they're just an acquaintance, just avoid them. Yep. You don't have the energy or wherewithal to teach someone else how to respond to us in grief and it's okay just to say no okay mm -hmm. if it's you know a family or a close friend we could you know take mm -hmm. that time and say and like oh, are you going to get another dog well th thanks Nairi. like there's <laughs> there's no replacing there's no replacing Brody. like I, I, I just can't replace them and when you ask that it makes me feel like you know you think I can just get another one. Mm. And of course, most, most people are compassionate and don't mean it that way. And they're gonna, oh no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. And yeah. you know, we will go from there and we can build that dialogue from there. Mm. You know, most of the things we say, you know, come from very well-meaning people who have no idea what to do or say in grief. That is true. Mm. So we say, and all these things we say, the only thing we way, the only reason we say them is because it's been said to us growing up. We've heard these things a thousand times. Mm. Oh, uh, time heals all wounds. Uh, w when uh, one door opens or closes, another door opens. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like all these uh, different things like that. And very well-meaning people, but you know, it comes from this idea of them wanting to fix grief. Yeah. Like we can't fix it. You can't make them feel better by saying, oh, they're in a better place now. Oh, at mm. least they're not suffering anymore. Yep. <laughs> right? And like I've, probably that said that really I've, yeah, I've probably said, said that one. I've probably said that one. And it's true. It's intellectually true. They're not suffering anymore. But yeah. we're the ones suffering. And that's, that's that grief that's just being ignored. Mm. So the best way to like support someone is 
like we, we don't there's nothing to say like i'm yeah. so sorry and i'm here right? mm. and we're just holding that space and whatever that means for you know your friends or family mm. <laughs> yeah it's um also difficult when the person trying to comfort you is religious and you're not or they're not religious and you are mm -hmm. um mm. yeah that's a tricky one. Mm. I guess I can't say much more other than that's tricky. Like, well, like we do this with all loss and all grief. Yeah. Even with relationships, right? Oh, mm. I never liked them anyway. You're so much better off. Oh, you're young. You'll you'll find the right person for you. Plenty more fish in the sea. Plenty <laughs> more fish in the sea. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> right and so your soulmates out there it's like, okay <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> which and only helps if you believe in soulmates so <laughs> <laughs> yeah mm. oh some people though that just <laughs> um, yeah, some people are jerks and they're like, oh and, good and now you can have a human baby and it's like what <laughs> yeah uh, I've heard that one from not myself, but Jeez. that someone said that. I'm like, oh my gosh! For that one, I just feel like walk away, just walk away. <laughs> you don't need some them. Terrible things, yeah. They clearly have different values to you, so. Um, hmm. <laughs> There's a fun quote: um, "Grief rewrites our address book." Yes, we I like certainly that. Certainly, find out um, like who's who is capable of handling this. And who isn't? Yeah. And it's absolutely okay to put people out of your, move them, downgrade them from friends <laughs> to acquaintances. Mm. Because or, we don't have energy and grief to, yeah. to deal with it. Or just accepting that these people aren't good with grief and come back to them later on when you're feeling better. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're your fair weather friends. <laughs> mm basically, or you know that they can't handle it because it triggers their emotions or whatever. So yeah, we're just, yeah, there are other later. reasons too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially if they've lost someone that they consider to be more important than your pet. I've noticed that too. Like they've lost a child or a parent and they're like, how dare you grieve your rat when, um, no, I've lost my baby. Um, it's like, it's the same it's like i love them you love your baby it's yeah. love like we can't compare the grief no mm. you know our, our pets are like a two-year-old that never grows up <laughs> if you're lucky as a two-year-old like sometimes <laughs> it's a three-year-old and that's even worse <laughs> oh. <It's> like, <laughs> uh, um so I was going to ask, memorializing, you'd like journal writing. I've heard of people getting tattoos, putting up photos. Is that important for part of um, for the grieving process or is it just an optional thing that people? Well, it's dependent on uh, you. Mm -hmm. If that's something you will, if you, if that resonates with you, then sure. Mm -hmm. So just clarifying your belief is that you should just grieve however you feel like grieving and that's all good great 
Yeah, as, as long as it's not self-destructive. Yes, or right? I guess as, as physically as destructive. Doing the same thing for week after week after week and nothing's improving, right? Mm -hmm. That means we're stuck and we can reach out for help. Which is a perfect end to the podcast because I'm just now going to ask, how can people reach out to you? Um, well, uh, you can visit our website, petcloud.pet. You know, we have uh, three rituals, uh, pet loss support groups that, you know, I do every single Sunday. Amazing. And I have yeah. anticipatory bereavement groups. If you know your, um, your pet is, you know, sick and dying, we mm -hmm. talk about quality of life and how to make that choice and how to, you know, make sure they're not suffering. That's amazing. It's doing such good work there. Because the end can be beautiful. It's going to be sad, but it can be beautiful and peaceful too. Mm. Yeah. Could be. Unfortunately, I haven't seen that much myself, but. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Anything else you think is really important to share? Yeah. You're not going crazy for how deep how much deep grief you feel. Mm -hmm. It's normal and natural to grieve this much and to feel this way. There's such a part of our lives. Yeah. Every morning, every night, they're there. Mm -hmm. And they see us naked. <laughs> right? We have this intimate bond with them that mm -hmm. we don't share even with other humans in our life. Yeah. Mm. I follows me into the bathroom. <laughs> I haven't used the bathroom by myself in months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, no human's going to follow true. me into the bathroom and <laughs> climb into your pants scared. while you're on the toilet as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, this, this grief is a way of honoring that love that we have. Mm. And it doesn't have to be a terrible ordeal. And if we go and we share and we talk about it and be around other people who are grieving, it helps mm. greatly. Yeah, I've found that it helps a lot. And I'm glad that you've got a support group for that because I don't really know of anyone else who's doing that. Um, mm, that's really good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, just, you know, you're not alone in how you feel. Mm. That's also something that, I think people feel a lot of pet loss. Mm. Especially with this pandemic and everything, we're so much more separated and isolated. Yeah. I have members who don't have another human being to talk to. Mm. Right? It's just them. It was just them and their pets. And now it's just them and their grief. Yeah. But now we do. We have that community where they come and like, you know, part of our membership every single day we show up and work on grief and be around mm -hmm. people. So that, you know, that, <laughs> that helps so much. Mm. I bet it would, yeah. Look, I could talk about this for hours, um, mm. but I do feel like we should probably end. It's been an hour now. So <laughs> um, obviously people who are feeling grief need a lot more work than just an hour conversation listening to you talk and me make up things um that seem right to me but um this is a good start I think um for people who are feeling lost and sad 
mm -hmm. I'm hoping that you can help. Mm. It's got some good concepts in it. So thank you so much for talking with me. And now I'm crying because I'm thinking about the people who are all alone with their pet and lost their pet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. I'm laughing at myself crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, hopefully they're listening to your podcast and they won't so. be alone for long. Yeah, yeah. And if anyone's grieving, I'm also happy to talk to people. So yeah i'm glad i've got someone great well thanks so much i'll put all your links in the show notes and um again thank you so much for talking with me it's my absolute pleasure thank you so much for having thank me you. on thank you so much kevin for talking with me about this really difficult topic um i also hope that the listeners understand where I was coming from with my personal story of loss I mean I know it's um I struggle I guess with the feelings of shame and worrying about judgment um with things that I really didn't mean to do um so hopefully you understand and you feel less alone um now that I've shared my story there because I know I'm definitely not the only one who's had a tragic accident that they in quotes caused as we discussed in this episode I should feel regret not guilt I really recommend going to his website and checking it out and the resources he has are fantastic and I would recommend that anyone who has a loss of really anything that they feel sad about. So it could be your pet, it could be a family member or a random scene you once saw that gave you sad feelings. Um, the loss of your job, the loss of, I don't know, the loss of opportunities for your future, something like that. I really... Th do um I really do recommend that you go and talk to someone about it and I'm just so thrilled that I've now found some resources for talking about your pets specifically because in the past I'd just go and see my psychologist for it but not everyone has a psychologist so having these free resources is just so good I'd also uh, like to remind you that um as part of my membership program I have been putting up obituaries for past pets. So you might sometimes see uh, photos or videos of pets that have passed. Um, if you could send support to the family members of these past pets, I would really appreciate it. And if you'd like yours shared, um, come on over to the website, so stolenourhearts.com or onto the buy me a coffee slash stolenourhearts and you can see um, what I've got to offer for that but no pressure at all it's just an option and there are just so many ways that you can deal with your grief and memorialize your pet if you choose to so for this episode I'm going to read out some takeaways I had hopefully that will help you um, because I feel like how I was talking to Kevin um, it wasn't always obvious what the point was in a few cases so here's my list of takeaways grieve however you feel as long as you aren't being destructive 
ask for help if you feel like you need it or you feel unable to move forward after a few weeks. There are resources out there to help you. You can't compare grief. Love is love no matter the species that you loved. People say things because they mean well. But if you find it to be toxic, it's okay to step away for a while or forever or to talk with them about why you feel hurt and misunderstood. You can't replace a pet. It is okay to find someone new who needs the love you have inside you. Retrain your brain's pathways. Try to feel regret rather than guilt. Remember the good times. Try to appreciate your living loved ones now as much as you can. So thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to find me on stolenahearts.com, which is still in um, construction mode, I guess, um, or look up Stolen Hearts on Facebook, I would love to talk with you about your pets. Talk to you next week.